1: Sabaj Rajapur of writing writes, in, quote, As the immaculate disinflation narrative hits a speed bump, the Fed's data-dependent approach likely implies a gradual policy easing path and a higher terminal rate. The longer the Fed keeps policy elevated, the greater the impact will be on the broader economy. We continue to believe that risk to yields are biased to the downside. Sabaj Rajapur is with us around the table. Sabaj, great to see you. Why is this still a buy-the-dip bond market for you?
2: Because we're at the end of the cycle and the market is not going to challenge uh, the Fed like they did last year, August, September of last year. We saw the sell-off, uh, tenant yields rose dramatically in a very short amount of time. This is a very different time timeframe. Uh, the Fed is telling us that they're going to cut rates three times and the market's not willing to challenge the Fed.
1: Equity markets aren't hurting, even though we've repriced rates higher. Stocks are at all-time highs. High-yield spreads are at the tights. I don't think we've seen for a couple of years now in high-yield credit. Doesn't that just lift the potential for yields to go higher? Lisa and I were talking about this in the last hour or so, that usually bond sell-offs are self-limiting because they cause pain somewhere else and then the buying comes back in. We haven't seen that so far. Does that lift the potential for yields to go up a little bit more?
2: Probably does, and that's why we've seen the, the yield, ten-year yields, especially, rise from around four percent to four and a quarter percent. I think that that's part of that narrative. Financial conditions, as you pointed out, are extraordinarily easy. You know, the Fed has its own financial conditions index that they they put out that looks at uh, the interest rate sensitivity of the economy, mortgage rates, as well as uh, you know a variety of other uh, interest rate uh, metrics that they look at, and it shows that uh, financial conditions, even by that index, is quite. Um, easy. Um, That said, I think that um, the market, at least the front end of the the treasury uh, yield curve, the two-year, is going to be priced to the path of the Fed. And I would say that the two-year, the front end of the yield curve is very efficiently priced in for a Fed path that's quite benign for the next couple of years.
0: So can you just give me a sense of why inflation would continue to go down? if we do have pretty loose financial conditions and signs of ongoing strength in the ability to spend money? Yeah, that's a very good question. And I think that that's exactly the
2: speed bump that we hit in in last week's data because uh, of the fact that we saw that the consumer, broadly speaking, is still extraordinarily resilient uh, despite higher interest rates. The spending has been extraordinarily uh, robust. Uh, we don't really see a path uh, from here on for a, a you know a steady decline in, in inflation. If anything, I think you're going to see this back and forth. Although the, the the broader trend from here on, I think, is towards a, you know very gradual decline over the next several years. I think two and a half percent core PC by the end of the year uh, is attained but then getting from there to 2% is going to take a little longer.
0: This is the reason why I thought it was really fascinating. Stephen Major over at HSBC came out with one of his major letters overnight. He was talking about how the bond market is being pulled around by the tails. You have uh, the fear of something happening, not the conviction that it will necessarily happen. Right tails include geopolitical risk, unsustainable fiscal policy, and runaway inflation. The left side brings us deflation and hard landing risks. It seems like deflation and hard landing risks aren't in the cards when we take a look at some of the data that's been coming in. So why doesn't that mean that yields are a whole lot higher if you're talking about the other side of this, which is the inflationary aspect? So yes, there is,
2: on the one side, you have the inflationary aspect, but the longer the Fed keeps rates higher, I think the, the higher the odds that we see a meaningful slowdown in growth, as well as uh, you know decline in 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 uh, in, in pressures and in in you know, growth pressures in in general. So so you know that's a point that I think Jefferson, the vice chair of of uh, of the Fed, uh, made on uh, made last week, which is that uh, the Fed always responds when growth starts to decline. So I think that that's always in the back of the mind of investors as well as the markets is that. Even Even though inflation uh, is a concern, with inflation having declined quite meaningfully over the last year, if there's a decline in growth, the Fed is going to respond. And the Fed is locked and loaded. So if there is a meaningful slowdown in growth, I think they're going to cut rates.
1: Lisa went through the numbers a few times already this morning. Let's do it again. $63 billion of two-year notes. Five-year notes today, $64 billion. Tomorrow, seven-year notes, $42 billion. Does supply matter anymore?
2: It does, um, but there's a lot of cash on the sidelines, and investors are finding ways to put their money to work. You look at the equity markets, like you pointed out, it's at all-time highs, high-yield spreads are tight, IG spreads are tight. So this is a very good diversification uh, for investors that are already heavily invested in all these other asset classes. And you look at two-year yields in the context of of year-to-date highs, it is a buying opportunity. So that's where I think that you're going to see this demand come into the bond market regardless of what uh, the fundamentals would say and the potential
0: for perhaps even higher yields from here. What I'm hearing from you is that the idea of the Fed put is basically making it a risk on no matter what happens in the actual uh, economy. Risk on when it comes to buying bonds, risk on when it comes to buying riskier credit, risk on what we see in the stock market. Do you agree with that? That's how it's been playing out so far. I think you're gonna start seeing
2: the weakness in the data appear from here on. We we expected it in the first quarter. It doesn't look like it's materializing, but in the upcoming quarters with interest rates staying as high as they are, you should start seeing some weakness in some of the the data sectors. You're seeing delinquencies rise, rise. you're seeing uh, retail sales, for instance, starting to come under a little bit of pressure. So you are going to see the consumer come under pressure with interest rates remaining as high as they have been for as long as they, as uh, they have
1: been. Lindsay Piankser of Stifel tried to make the argument earlier this morning to us that consumer balance sheets are strong and there's space to lever up. Do you not agree with that?
2: Um, There might be space to lever up. I think it's, you know, to me, the way I view it is it's a haves and have-nots economy. There are some investors who can, and they have the bandwidth to do that. And then you have the cohort. Perhaps those are the, the investors that are 40 and under that are paying student loans, have these credit card delinquencies, are seeing delinquencies in auto loans that are going to come under pressure. So you do have a bifurcation in the economy. Some sectors of the economy are doing well, and others are not. And that's really where you're going to see the pressure.
0: Do you not buy that January then? was just seasonal, is it a blip? You actually think that there's pressure on this consumer.
2: There is, and I think that the longer interest rates stay high, you're going to see the pressure build up, especially in, in sectors like housing and and auto loans. I mean, I think that you're seeing a decent amount of pressure already. You are seeing some easing of, of uh, conditions there because interest rates have come down from 10-year yields around five percent to to four and a quarter percent now. But broadly speaking, investors are, I mean, consumers are not able to buy homes like they did several years ago. So the housing market is still under pressure. There's not enough supply, and housing prices are still relatively high. So there are certain sectors of the economy that are coming under pressure. It's just not broad-based uh, in all sectors. And I think that that'll come over time with interest rates remaining high for longer.
1: It's just the problem with the U.S. economy is people with 3% mortgages who won't sell their home, you know? They the can't problem. because they
0: can't move. You know what I actually think that's a feature of our economic strength <laughs> is that people were able to get three percent mortgages and they bought beautiful mm. homes that they absolutely love and they've got no desire to move whatsoever. Yeah. And I just want to say that, you know, there was upholding this economy. Sir so no, this do is cash this is personal, out. just so you know. This is I'm just highly playing. personal. <laughs> highly personal.
1: Sir so 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 good to see you. Sir Patrick Shaffer.
0: The countdown has begun from May 14th to 16th.